Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Bruise Less Traveled Podcast and Beer Club. It is our last day here in Houston, Texas, exploring all of its craft beer glory. We are ending things with a bang as usual. We're going to be drinking a couple beers from Ingenious Brewing. We're going to be tasting their Hall Pass Kolsch and their Cookies and Cream Imperial Milk Stout. We're also going to be speaking with their head brewer, James Carlyle. He was a fantastic guest. I also am sad to say today is my last day as your craft beer loving host, but do not worry. You are going to have a new amazing host to continue your journey here at Bruise Less Traveled. You are still going to get to be a part of all of the action. Things are not going to change. You're just going to have a new host. So exciting things to come. And personally, I cannot wait to become a Bruise Less Traveled Beer Club member and get the beers delivered to my door and tune in to the chat and be on the other side of the fun. So Stay tuned to this episode to hear my next journey and the exciting things I'll be up to after this. It has been an honor and a privilege to be your host on this incredible podcast, if I do say so myself. Stay tuned for a great episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Bruise Less Traveled Podcast and Beer Club. I'm your craft beer loving host and cowboy hat wearing host. Molly Lamb. Welcome back to Houston, Texas. It is our last day here exploring the craft beer scene. It's truly been amazing. And as always, I'm sad to say goodbye because we always have the most amazing craft beer cities that we discover. And I got my co-host Glenn for our last episode together. Glenn, how you doing? I'm doing great, Molly. It's great to be here uh, with you and this great beer and all of our guests tonight uh, for this very special episode. Uh, I mean, they're all special, but this one, I don't know. And we have a great guest that's coming on a little bit later, James Carlyle. He's the head brewer at Ingenious Brewing, and we're going to be drinking their Kolsch. It's called Hall Pass and their milk stout called Cookies and Cream. But I have to say, I'm super pumped for a Kolsch. It's been oh, yeah, a minute since I've had a Kolsch. So I am super pumped for that as well. And speaking of, do you want to go ahead and open up that Kolsch, Glenn? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Let's open up this hall pass right now. Love that. Remember old school, high school, you would get a hall pass to like go to the bathroom. That's kind of nostalgic. Got my little tulip glass out here. Awesome. Using a small one because I got used to it. I know I don't I want to have time to finish it before we move to the next one. So I'll have a you know a little sample here. Yeah, we typically kind of double fist. All right. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Yeah. So this one, this hall pass Kolsch clocks in at 5.5% ABV, 25 IBUs, and it's it's a nice kind of just traditional. German style Kolsch. And it's brewed with, let me see if I get this name right, Huel Melon Hops. And if I'm saying that wrong, when James comes on, he can. He will correct us, yes. I'm actually not <laughs> familiar with those hops, but yeah, this is great. I always love to um, put my hand over the glass and give it a little zhuzh just to get that aroma and do a couple little rabbit sniffs, like short little sniffs. This is nice. I, I don't know if I'm getting the melon from that. I know. I'm wondering if it's actually supposed to kind of have like a melon flavor. I love a Kolsch. It's a nice hybrid ale. So they're using that ale yeast, but they are fermenting it 
colder, like you would a lager. And that is how they traditionally did that in Cologne, Germany, where this style of beer was invented. And it's, I love a Kolsch too, because they're usually very uh, kind of effervescent. You get that nice sort of like refreshing zippiness. Yum. Yeah, I love, this is a nice one because it's sort of polar opposite of the cookies and cream imperial milk stout that we're going to open. And I always think that's really fun to kind of taste. And this is a traditional way to taste, you know, going lightest to darkest. But sometimes I actually like to flip it. Sometimes I like to start with a really rich kind of viscous beer, like an imperial milk stout, and then finish with something effervescent and refreshing and zippy and zingy, like a Kolsch or a Pilsner. Sometimes I find that at the end sort of just cleans your palate, kind of scrubs it clean. So you certainly don't have to taste in this order, but this is kind of a traditional way to taste beers going from lightest to darkest, but there's not always a wrong way to do it. So it's, it's fun to play around with. I will always, if I'm drinking a sour, I'll always finish with a sour. Cause that can be kind of like a little more polarizing to your taste buds in like a really fun way. But, um, those I typically will, will save for last because sours, I, I tend to drink a little slower too. But I want to learn a little bit more about Ingenious Brewing and tell all of our guests a little bit more about this super cool place. It's actually right outside of Houston. And so Ingenious is the brainchild of owners Mike and Justin. And Mike was actually a multi-award winning home brewer turned professional brewer who's been honing his homebrew technique for over 15 years in his home state of Pennsylvania. Justin was originally from Houston and began brewing with Mike about 10 years ago, a little longer than 10 years ago, while on station in Pennsylvania for work. Yeah, both uh, hold degrees in science and they enjoy tinkering with recipes by applying knowledge of the chemical properties found in the ingredients of beer. Over time, this process led to exceptional and inventive beer. Ingenious perfectly symbolizes their philosophy that brewing beer is equal parts science and creativity. I, I love that to see that in their logo they have there because it's like it has it has the right brain, a left brain, and the left brain looks like a brain, and the right brain looks like a hop. Uh huh. Yeah, it was a really cool spot too. And one thing they had at Ingenious was they had hop water, so they had like a little water station where you could just you know fill up your water cup, but it was just in, it was carbonated water infused with hops. And it was just like a nice take on just having like a regular seltzer or something. So I thought that was kind of cool. There's definitely fun ways to to use hops. It you know doesn't always have to be in beer. I'm wondering if hops have ever been used like in food or anything. That's kind of now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm kind of curious about that. But yeah, Ingenious was a really cool spot, super low key, delicious beers. They had a bunch of like board games and stuff Mm. there too. So it was one of those places you could just kind of chill and feel really welcome and really nice staff. I sat down and chatted with some of the bartenders, just super friendly, really great folks there. And Glenn, how have you been doing? How's your week? We're kind of in that weird in between. It's like after Christmas, but before New Year's and I was off work for the past couple of days. I have no idea what day it is right now. 
Well, you know, yeah, honestly, I, uh, it's, it's, it was a pretty much pretty quiet, uh, holiday time thing for me. I had to, I had a friend over for Christmas and we, you know, ate some stuff and watched some stuff on TV, like picked things here and there. That was cool. Uh, I, uh, I, I've started distributing those balls. I was talking about last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and I, I, I don't want to just do a, a plug for us, but, uh, I've really been enjoying doing the starting on, on the 25th. I've been doing every single night, the, uh, the except for tonight, the uh, Bruvana 12 beers of Christmas. And that's been so much fun. Yeah. Because uh, I've seen a lot of this. I, I, I didn't just assume that. I, I've seen, I recognize some names I saw in the chat there that I always see every week here. So I'm glad to know that, that they're here. And I look forward to, to seeing them for the next, uh, I don't know, seven nights or so. Well, I, in fact, I think my favorite one, which is the one so far, since we've only had like five of them, my favorite one was one that I have, I assume we had because you spent some time in Birmingham. It was this really great uh, holiday. Uh, it was an imperial, it was a cranberry, imperial cranberry Berliner Weiss. And it was really unique and special and fantastic from uh, from, from one of the places you went to in, uh, in, in Birmingham. Uh, yep. Trip Tab. I think it was Trip from Trip Tab. Uh, yeah, I- that's exactly it. Yep. I didn't want to get, I, want, trim, trim dev. Yeah, I didn't want to get the name wrong. Yeah, that was a great spot. Yeah, I loved Birmingham. And I actually, I was lucky enough to get one of those beer boxes and I have not opened that one yet. Um, super pumped to try that one. This is so fun. A lot of our chat is kind of like going back and forth and has is doing the, the 12 beers of Christmas. And this. Right. just because cool. we're on at the same time doesn't mean we're in competition with each other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then tomorrow night, there's another 12 beers of Christmas. I'm going to tune into that one for yeah. sure. Yes. And I'm curious, what is everyone's New Year's Eve plans? It's Friday, right? That's New Year's Eve? Yes, yeah. it is on Friday this year. Uh, what are your plans for that, uh, Molly? I'm going to just be hanging out with my boyfriend on his boat. He lives on a houseboat. And um, we're just going to, I'm not a big New Year's Eve person. It's kind of my least favorite holiday. It's not that I like dislike it. I just don't really, I'm sort of indifferent about it. I love Christmas and Fourth of July. Those were my two favorite. I got to host our like 4th of July beer box. That was, that was really fun. Cause that's one of my favorite holidays, but New Year's Eve, I sort of don't care about. So him and I, we're going to get like a nice uh, ribeye steak and grill it out and just hang out on, on the dock on, on his boat. And that sounds very festive. Yeah. Yeah. Just drink some Prosecco. I got a couple good beers um, that I'm going to pick up from some local Chattanooga breweries, definitely a moon pie stout. So I'm going to get a couple like good beers and, and crack those open at, at midnight, like all good craft beer loving ladies do. So <laughs> I'm excited for just like a mellow, a mellow evening. And then usually New Year's Day, I like to do a brunch somewhere. So I might find somewhere that's open and go and do like a, a nice, like greasy New Year's Day brunch. Yeah, I think I'm just going to be going to like, the same friend I had over here for Christmas. I'm going over to, to his place. And it's going to be very, a uh, very uh, small, fully vaccinated crowd in a, in a, in a New York apartment. So seems yeah. like the best thing to do for uh, with everything that's going on uh, in our world right now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I know. Same, same with me. We, me and uh, my boyfriend got invited to like a couple parties and we were just like, you know what? We both just got over COVID and it, it's just kind of, yeah, yeah. So it was a little scary, but, but also 
I want to share a couple fun things to do while you're in Houston. So one really cool thing that you can do if you guys go visit Houston, Texas, is enjoy a show at the Miller Outdoor Theater. So this theater is seven and a half acres, making it the largest outdoor theater in the entire nation. So you can catch something like the Houston Ballet there. They also, I saw they had a Queen cover band, which sounds so fun. I love Freddie Mercury. And they have a bunch of other culturally diverse performances as well. And best of all, it's always free of charge. So check out the Miller Outdoor Theater. Yeah, we've talked a lot about all the various great uh, museums and galleries they have uh, in Houston. But uh, one I found really unique was the uh, Art Car Museum. Uh, that's the full name of the art. It's not, uh, and no, it's not the Art Car Museum where they, uh, the NEY has gone, has fallen off the sign. No, it's about cars, uh, using cars for art. It's nicknamed the Garage Mahal. Uh, the Art Car Museum is art made out of cars. Uh, it's curious, I was looking on their website and I saw like the first thing that comes up is like a car just completely painted with, with uh, various representations of fruit. And if you go through it, you'll see another of them. I, I, I think some of these might be functional cars. I think some of them might at this point just be art. It's hard to tell for sure, but they're like colorful sculptures of vintage rides created by a range of local, national, and international artists. And, and this is also, it's it's free of charge. Although I, sh- I should say, I was uh, apparently their last exhibition closed on December 19th, and they're working on their next one. And the date, reopening date is TBA, but... Uh, if anyone's down in Houston in the next month or so, take a look at their website. And uh, who knows, maybe you'll get a whole brand new art car show. I know. I thought that was such a fun concept. You know, it just yeah. goes to show you art does not need to be confined to any one vessel. You know, it doesn't need to be on a piece of paper. It can, it can kind of be anywhere. And yeah, Houston definitely had a fun artistic vibe. There was lots of street art when I was walking around exploring. So that does not surprise me at all that they do something fun and funky like that. But um, yeah, lots to do, but doesn't feel, didn't feel too crazy. Felt very laid back, very, very charming city. And uh, before we welcome James on in just a little bit, I am dying to open this Imperial Milk Stout called Cookies and Cream. So what do you say? I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah, we do our usual here at Brews Less Traveled and force everyone to double fist. I'm excited for this one. Love a stout. Got a little bit on my thumb and immediately can taste the incredible flavor. Yeah. Great aroma right away. Beautiful nose. Yeah. And another cheers. Another cheers. Um, In this glass, I have a very cool tulip glass from Pretentious Glass Co. That was on our Knoxville season. Uh, And if you pour even slightly too fast, it gives the most beautiful nucleation, but it will... It will overwhelm. Yeah. Yeah, Like it'll, it it really just funnels it up. So you have to, you have to really kind of slow pour it, but here, let me take a real. You're going to get some nice lacing from that. Absolutely. Yeah. I love seeing the beautiful lacing on glasses. It's kind of, if anyone's not familiar with that term, it's kind of like if you see legs on a wine glass, it's when the the nucleation kind of sticks to the glass. Yeah. This is definitely a nice kind of rich, viscous 
sweet beer. It's definitely like a nice sipper and I'm glad we have a Kolsch in there, something kind of polar opposite. So hopefully you can enjoy that. But I'm digging this one, Glenn. What do you think? I'm too. It's like, it's it's it's, it's rather unassuming for a 10%. Mm-hmm. It's got some nice carbonation there going on the mouthfeel. Absolutely. So yeah, this one clocks in at 10% ABV, like you just mentioned, Glenn, 45 IBUs. And it's an imperial milk stout aged on vanilla beans, cocoa nibs, and chocolate cream cookies. That makes me- Which of course we know what that's code for. Or maybe it's it's some special version of it. No, because you know how cookies and cream first came about? No. Well, because someone was the first person who ever made uh, ice cream with Oreos in them. They, they couldn't use the name because of trademark. So they just called it cookies and cream. And it was it became an incredibly popular flavor of ice cream. So thereafter, any ice cream with anything Oreo or like it, they just use that. Even like even even the places who have officially gotten Oreos where there'll be Oreo on the label. I think they'll still call it cookies and cream. Interesting. I yeah. didn't know that. I love that. That's a cool fact. Yeah, I honestly was not not sure at all the history around that. I mean, I'm old enough. I remember when we didn't have cookies and cream ice cream, so... God, how did you even survive? I don't know. This this beer is like drinking a cookie. I love it. It's evening time here, so this is, you know, kind of feels like my dessert. It's, it's, it's really yeah. delicious. It's a special one. Um, so let's go ahead and welcome on James Carlisle, the head brewer at Ingenious Brewing. James, how are you? Good yourself? Doing good. So happy to have you on. I know we had quite the tech meeting today before before we logged on. So you're already one of my favorite people because you really stood with us for about an hour of troubleshooting, just problems on Zoom. So thank you so much for that. You're a really nice guy. Anytime, anytime, guys. Pleasure to be on. Yeah. Well, we love to start off asking everyone their craft beer origin story. So can you tell us how you got into craft beer? Um, so I was one of those guys that uh, kind of fell into the uh, love of home and said, I can be a brewer, uh, which doesn't always work out. But yeah, I spent about 11 or I'm sorry, about seven years in the homebrew uh, uh, scene in Houston selling craft beer. Uh, uh, ingredients, equipment, all that stuff to uh, all the local homebrewers before I finally like made my jump to actual brewing. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. I love it. And I also want to know a little bit more about these beers that we're tasting. So I know these are two totally different styles. We got a Kolsch, we got a stout, but can you tell us a little bit about the brewing process of the Kolsch? Uh, so the coals I don't actually have on hand, but I do have uh, one of my uh, one of my pilsners, which is in, for the most part brewed the exact same way, just at a little bit cold. At the end of the day, we actually have the ability at our brewery to to naturally naturally carbonate our beers, uh, so they lend a lot more softer mouthfeel uh, to our lagers than say like our cookies and cream that we're having later on. But uh, we like to pay a lot of attention to detail and go based off of tradition and stick to that. Yeah, it's, and it's interesting. Uh, I, I, the Kolsch is very much, a, I know, a, a standard traditional one, whereas the, uh, the, the, the cookies and cream is a little bit more, uh, there's, you know, that you get, it's, it's because I, 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 no, I noticed on the website, you're talking about how that you like to push boundaries a little bit, but you're very, very in, in, in tune to the basics very well. So how does in the brewing process for the a milk stout like this one, 
where does it start within the traditional way? And as far as what adjuncts you use, when do you add those in and what sort of ingredients do you use for that? Well, when it comes to a milk salad, a milk salad can be can, can be completely traditional. I mean, it's you're gonna have yeah. lactose, you're gonna have lactose in a boil. Uh, that's what makes it a, a milk stout. Uh, now, as far as viscosity goes and and how uh, how long your boil goes. As far as the uh, the alcohol content, we'd like to kind of extend our boils a little bit longer than average. Uh, so not so much traditional, but when it comes to what it says on the label, that's really like what we add uh, post fermentation. Uh, we like to have fun. Uh, we like to uh, kind of dance on that line of traditionalism. Sometimes so far when we get so far past that line, that line becomes a dot. But we'd like to be able to bring ourselves back and brew a brew a nice pilsner, Kolsch. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's really fantastic because it uh, there's a lot of times these uh, more interesting, more boundary pushing beers get a reputation for being something where someone is trying to hide something, and to really have that great base behind it, and then add an adjunct, sort of like really like color in the lines, and then experiment and do it. You can do it at the same time. Um, one thing I really found interesting is, is it say you, you have an amazing array of different pastry stouts as well as barrel aged stouts. I'd, well, I think I'd have to come visit this brewery at some point or another, but with these pastry stouts, you're, you're talking about how you have all these natural ingredients and yet so many of them are based on things that didn't have natural ingredients. I mean, things like, you know, obviously Oreo cookies or the triumvirate of, of children's general Mills uh, cereals being the, uh, the booberry, the Frankenberry and the Count Chocula. So you take something that is initially made with more artificial flavors. How do you reverse engineer that to use, have more natural things in it? So you deconstruct. So we always start our beers. If we're going to, if you know for a fact, we're going to adjunct a beer a certain way. First and foremost, we want to deconstruct those flavors. What flavors are actually in that? Uh, so if someone likes a uh, bananas fosters, then we'll go and make a bananas foster. Actually, make the drink, and decom- you know, we'll we'll pull that beer apart. So it's you know it's it's cinnamon, it's banana, it's 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 it's, it's rum flavoring. It's all these things. How do we get that into a beer? Now, some things we can add actually just straight into it. Some things we have to kind of wing and or like either that or like compare like some uh, some beers will require like a Hawaiian cake extract to bring out a certain flavor in something. And it, it'll help accentuate that flavor. Uh, but we're still, you know, like we did a cherry cordial stout uh, over the, uh, over the, uh, or sorry, before Christmas break, which is what we're in right now. Um, and we tried uh, cherries and chocolate and cream and like all that stuff. And it just wasn't hitting right. So we went to Walgreens and bought the Queen Anne's cherry cordial cherries and threw them into a blender, blended them up and put those into the beer. It's like, there's the flavor. Like you actually put the flavor, put whatever it is that you're saying into the beer. We tell people all the time when they come into our brewery, oh, well, what does the cookies cream, cookies and cream really taste like? Well, what does the description of the beer say? Because that's what it actually should taste like. Yeah. And you guys did such a good job 
with this beer. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, so you guys really are known for making such unique small batch beers. And how do you come up with these recipes? Like, is any one person in charge of it? Like the Neapolitan ice cream sundae, like you mentioned, the banana fosters, like, does it just come troubleshooting like that? You're like, okay, we need to go get cherry cordials, or maybe we're just going to use different flavoring to get that in a different way. So the funny thing is, is ice cream sundae and banana fosters all started off as what you would consider to be small batches. They were one single half barrel keg on tap. Okay. So that is what we use as our pilot system. I have no pilot system. I have to brew 15 barrels of beer or more and nail it uh, or we dump it. And luckily we haven't have never had to dump it, but we can pull off, uh, we can brew base beers and then flavor them as such as what we think people might like. Put them on tap for small batch Wednesdays. People are like, oh my God, this beer is amazing. Uh, and then we go from there and we go back and look like, okay, this beer really sell, sold really well. Let's take that Bananas Fosters. Let's take that and make that now as from a half barrel keg, let's make it so I get 30 barrels and it's just figuring out that scaling as far as getting that beer up to that, up to that scale. And then it's at that point, it's my job to, to brew said beer. And it's up to our team of guys who are amazing at what they do to go in and be like, okay, we need, we need to order this amount of fruit. We need to order this. This is what needs to be done. And it tends the, yeah. No, I, I'm dying to try that banana Foster's beer. I love, that's one of my favorite desserts. I would love that. Yeah. And did you say you're using actual bananas in there in the match yeah. fermentation? Yeah. So we use a, we use a combination of, of a lot of things. Um, very little of it is extract, but a lot of it, people don't tend to believe us when we say we spend about 20 to $25,000 a month on adjuncts. Would wow. it be yeah? Would it be like vanilla, fruit? Uh, like we're actually, we're actually using that stuff. So uh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. So we don't have like the best uh, business plan, <laughs> but uh, we know we have some of the best beer in Texas. So mm -hmm. we're not going to stop doing that, and we're going to keep you know using our techniques, and and it's going to keep showing up. Yeah, absolutely. You guys do have such amazing beer. So it's really cool that you're putting, you know, you're putting that effort in and the money behind it to really, you know, make it authentic. It's it's great. I really, man, I wish I could have tried that beer when I was there. I love banana fosters. Which so, one? The the banana fosters. I wish I could have tried that when I was when, there. When were you in town? Uh like a month ago. Okay. Cause I got a I had a fermenter full right now that's actually slated for bananas fosters. Ah. Uh, just missed it. I'll have to go back. No, I'll send you some. Oh, hell yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I really would love to try that one. I will yeah. pay for shipping. I will buy no, them. No, you won't. That's great. <laughs> That's great. So, but, but other than that, like we'd like to, uh, it's funny, like, you know, y'all are drinking Hall Pass. Hall Pass was one of the first beers I actually brewed when I got to Ingenious. Cool. Um, I came from, uh, came to Ingenious from uh, Whole Foods. I was the head brewer and assistant brewer at Whole Foods and got there. And I knew it. Genius uh, was known for pastry stouts, 
fruit and sours, milkshake IPAs. And I was kind of doing the exact same thing at Whole Foods. But when I got there, one of the things that I told them was, or what they asked me, I'm sorry, was what's, what's one of the first beers you, you want to brew whenever you, you get here? I was like, let's brew a Kolsch. And both Mike and Justin were like, a, a Kolsch? And Justin was like, yeah, do it. Mike was like, what the... Like, I've been asking for a Kolsch for, like, since we've been open. Justin was like, I've been to Whole Foods. I've had this Kolsch. Uh, <laughs> so that's Hall Pass. It's delicious. That's all. So why were they having such a hard time getting someone to brew a Kolsch? Because it's just, it's complicated? No, not, no, 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 no. <clears throat> so the, the, you know, Mike was originally brewing all the beer. Mike is very scientific, very scientific when it comes to beers. Uh, he's, he's, I'm glad he's in the office now, but, uh, but Mike was very specific on like how he did things as far as, as, as pHs went, uh, which so am I on certain beers, uh, adding certain salts, this, that, and the other certain grains and when, and, you know, when to add hops and when not to add, hops. you know, he was very stuck on that. Um, and I think it took a lot for Mike to kind of like let those reins loose uh, and let me take over. Let's take a beer break. So earlier I mentioned the term hybrid beer. So what exactly is a hybrid beer? It's going to be a beer that straddles the line between lager and ale. So a Kolsch is going to be using ale yeast fermented colder like you would a lager. This is a traditional German style of beer. Typically, Kolsch's are also going to use 100% Pilsner malt, giving it that beautiful bready aroma and that lovely golden color. There's also an alt beer. So alt means old in Germany. This beer is going to be similar. However, it's going to be using darker malts, typically Munich, and it's going to have a nice dark color similar to a Dunkel or or a Bach. These are delicious beers with a nice malty backbone. There's also a beer called a California Common, also known as a steam beer. You're probably familiar with this beer from Anchor Brewing because they really perfected it. However, this one differs from the Alt and the Kolsch because it's going to use a lager yeast that's actually able to function at higher temperatures. So those are three hybrid ales. If you have not tried them, I encourage you to do so. They are all three very different and all three very delicious. Now let's get back to the episode. Because you do you do tri- various different themed trivia's every Wednesday nights, right? Yeah. So tonight uh, is Wednesday night. Normally tends to be like one of our biggest nights because it's steak night hosted by one of uh, Houston's just just amazing uh, like a, a, a butcher for uh, steak night. I don't know how I'm going off on our name, but they knock out steaks. You can have pork chops. You can have salmon. Uh, we do that, and we also do trivia on Wednesday nights. Fun. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Texas, you guys are known for your, your meat and your barbecue. So that's definitely a reason to visit, to visit you guys, to get some good, get some good steak and meat. And yeah, this Kolsch would go so great with that. That's awesome. I, I, I have one. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, you know, what goes better with that is the fact that knowing that the farmer that you give your grain to brings back a slab of steaks that his cows ate off of. 
That is that, full circle. I love that. That's <laughs> yeah. That's loop, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yep. And he does he does every year. So so J- James, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm curious. Uh, have you, do you get have more creative freedom uh, at Ingenious than you did at Whole Foods? Uh, so, <clears throat> yes and no. At Whole Foods, uh, I kind of had like a. I mean, it's a corporation, you know. Like yeah. it's kind of like constantly like um, their motto there was don't go to red, don't go don't go too far into the black. Mm-hmm. So they wanted me to fly underneath the radar the entire time. Uh, at Ingenious, uh, as soon as I was let go from Whole Foods, Justin called me and it was, we want you here. Like we not need me here. We want you here. Uh, and from there on out, it was like, it's like, we're just like, we're like, we're in Australia. We're in England. We're in, like, we're all over the place. Wow. And I'm having a lot of fun actually sitting there with my team. Not only brewing traditional styles, but brewing like, hey, let's try this in a beer and do that, and and it's a uh, it's a constant evolving just learning process. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm there to, you know, execute, and then let the guys, you know, behind me kind of like just have fun with it. Just just go like like what are you gonna do like we do small batches all the time so this is what's cool so we don't have a pilot system so it's like i told you so like i can brew a 15 barrel batch of stout or sour or ipa or whatever and then we tell the guys what kind of small batch you know you want to do and they're like oh let's try you know they could some crazy stuff like one guy even said like chicken bouillon i was like no you're you're out you're out go away <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but like, just like, like name something like, you know, that you want to try to do and we'll try it. And so we can pull base beers off of like our major batch and then try that in a small keg. And then we can put it out on a small batch Wednesday. And it's going to be like, it literally will be the only time that beer is ever served at all to the public in our tap room. That's like 60, 60 pints out the door. And so then what we'll do is we'll go back and be like, how'd you like it? And if it's like, everyone's like, oh my God, like people come back the next day, like I heard yesterday you had this Oreo churro, spicy, whatever the hell it it is on tap. I want that or we're out of it. And as like that, that brand grows. Okay. So next do is I'll brew five barrels of it instead yeah. of a keg instead of a, instead of a half barrel I'll brew five barrels of it see how that goes so yeah and you got to listen to yeah you know it's supply and demand and uh, you guys are a little outside of Houston right you're in humble Texas is that uh we uh we call it humble mm-hmm. so yeah just just on the north side we're right across the street from IH International Airport. So as soon as you land, you just drive across the freeway and you come. Cool. And I'm curious, when you do go into Houston, what would your like ideal day off be in Houston? So no. So uh, my wife just went to the Van Gogh exhibit. That was like like a month and a half ago. It's like a live exhibit. Like you sit and you sit down. And you just watch like all of Van Gogh's paintings, like just kind of like 
form around you. Cool. It's freaking crazy. That and any type of barbecue that you can find. Yeah. Go. Go. Awesome. We, we like legit have the best barbecue. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I had I had very very good barbecue there. I well, you know what? That sounds like a great ideal day off. I would definitely join you on those adventures. And also, as we wrap up here, it's time for our rapid fire questions. And the idea here is to not think, just answer. James, are you ready? Uh, uh, sure. <laughs> All right. Barrel-aged stouts or pastry stouts? Pastries. Best stocking stuff for beer? Very high. Just for the guy gift. Yeah, that's actually high. really funny. I love that. Yeah. yeah, that's what I would do. And do you have a favorite holiday-themed beer? Our holiday beers kick ass. What is it? It's the Frankenfoyo, the Booberry, the Stout Chocula, the, yeah, all those guys. Yeah. That sounds really good. Don't you have one called like El, like, um. Elf Blood, Elf Blood is now currently available. Do you need some? Yeah, I do. <laughs> the answer, the, okay. answer any of those questions will always be yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually just, I, I just can more today. So we've got plenty. Oh, nice so, and fresh. So what, what is the beer style that best represents Texas? I've been asked this question before, and I'll, I'll, I'll answer this exact same way. The best beer style that represents Texas is a mixed six-pack. Oh, I like that. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And James, it's been a pleasure having you. Is there anything that you'd like to plug before we wrap up? Um, just uh, everyone have a good New Year's Eve. Be safe, be responsible. Uh, when you come to Houston, come find us, come find Spindle Tap, come find uh, Great Heights, come find all these great breweries that are down here uh, and realize that Houston's actually catching up to y'all pretty quick. Yeah. Absolutely. And thank you all so much for tuning in today. Thank you to my wonderful co-host, Glenn, for being here with me all month. Be sure to tune in next week as we launch our new Undiscovered Craft Beer City. Here's a hint. It's considered the most haunted place in the country. Cheers, everyone. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It's always a blast having a beer with you. Don't forget to sign up for the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club, and this way you'll get the beers I've been drinking delivered right to your doorstep, plus exclusive access to our weekly live streams. You can also follow Bruvana on Instagram and me as well at molly underscore Brews Less Traveled. I always love hearing from you guys, especially if it's a beer recommendation. So keep the messages coming. Cheers.